Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have Jordan Merrigan, guitarist for Ernest and Dylan Schneider, and also the former tour manager for Mason Ramsey. Jordan has such a cool story of how he came to Nashville and has worked in so many different avenues of the music industry, from guitarist to tour manager to photographer. You're going to hear Jordan's story of his early days on the road with his band Paradise Fears, who actually had an album peak at number two on the iTunes Alternative charts back in 2013. Jordan is a super nice guy, and I had an awesome time talking with him. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I'll see you at the end. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have special guest Jordan Merrigan, guitarist for Ernest. How are you doing today, Jordan? Man, I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. So uh, to get in your story, uh, you were born in South Dakota. And uh, who were some of the first artists that you really deep dove into their music and, and listened to growing up as a kid? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, like, like most people, it was what my parents were listening to is kind of the first, my earliest memories of music were what they were listening to, which they're really big, like U2 fans, like U2, the Eagles, Bruce Springsteen, um so that's the kind of that's the stuff I remember like growing up on you know before I was able to seek out my own music and then like in the car you know listening to like 90s pop like Ace of Bass I remember listening to a lot of like that kind of just like 90 what kind of what was on the radio in the 90s and then definitely the like yeah the, the U2 and all that stuff um and then by the time I was kind of like seeking out my own music was I mean, I had a pretty big, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I had a pretty big like boy band phase. Like, I mean, it was hard not to in the late nineties, early two thousands, like totally. was super into like Backstreet Boys in sync, you know, loved Britney Spears, like all that stuff. Like, which is funny. You go back and listen to all that stuff now. And it's like incredible. Right. Cause the, the production on like people like Britney Spears and like the Backstreet Boys, like their percussion was just produced at a whole nother level. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and the the songwriting itself is like people always write off pop music or not, you know, a lot of times people write write off pop music as being like overly simple and like not much to it, but like you go back and listen to some of those songs and they're like the chord changes that are happening are like very it's like a complex thing that's happening. Like there's a reason they were so good. It was very like there's a lot of theory going into them. So like I loved loved that stuff and then it was kind of like when I got into middle school actually I'll, I remember my cut my older cousin Chris we were driving on, on a family trip out to uh, Michigan for a family reunion and so it was like a three-day trip you know like 15 hours or something and I remember he handed me a CD this was in the CD days and I took out probably like Backstreet Boys or something out of my CD player and I put in a, a Kiss CD like Kiss, yeah. it was like a live Kiss album that he got, that he handed me. And I just like fell in love with it. And it was like, I had certainly heard like rock music before that, but I remember just like, that was kind of a moment where I shifted from like listening to pop to listening to more like rock based music. Totally. Um, and then it was just off, off from there. So is listening to people like Ace Fraley and uh, Paul Stanley Shrun on the guitar, is that kind of what drew you to wanting to play guitar? And is that the first instrument you picked up? I think technically, I mean, certainly, like, I, I think I had a, I was drawn to that type of guitar playing for sure. But I think I wanted to be a drummer first. 
Oh, really? Like, I, I've always been really drawn to the drums. Um, like when I was li- when I listen to a song, a lot of the times the drums are the first thing I'm really listening to. Mm-hmm. And so I re- I wanted to be a drummer. And my that same cousin who showed me who showed me Kiss, he played the drums. Um, and his band that he was in, he was two years older than me, and he had a band and they needed somewhere to practice. And my mom was like a cool mom. She's like, well, they can practice in our basement. We just have all this room. So his band actually set up in my basement. And so I got to like, when they weren't there, I would just like go play his drums and stuff. And I really loved the drums. And the time came when they ended up moving out of the, of the basement and I needed my own drums to play. And I remember talking to my cousin about it and he was telling me like, you know, there's so much equipment to a drum set. It's like all, the drums, the cymbals, the hardware, the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of like walking me through what you need to get for drums and I was just like that sounds like too much work (laughs) or like or maybe even it was like that's too expensive like you know I was in sixth grade so I was like my mom you know my mom said she would buy me an instrument but like that sounds like a little too much so um so guitar was like the next the next thing and I'm and I'm sure like I had a love for it that was inspired by kind of the music I grew up on from my parents but it was kind of like initially like, well, drums are too much work. So let's pick up a guitar <laughs> and gotcha. And, and yeah, and that's, and then my, my mom bought me my first guitar. I think I was, I think it was like the summer after sixth grade. So when I was 12 or so. So uh, how many years in between you getting your first guitar and uh, when did you start, pl- start playing live? Was it with those same group of guys that were rehearsing in your basement? Um, I would like jam with them. I never played like a show with them, but another guy who was in that band with my cousin had a younger brother who was my age, who was like my best friend. Okay. And so the two of us started playing together, kind of like being influenced by his brother, my, and my cousin. Um, so him and I, I think the earliest times I was playing any sort of live music was with him. This is my friend, Tom. And we had like a little acoustic duo thing. And we were like, we had we had original songs. Tom Tom wrote most of the songs, um, but then we were also covering like Dashboard Confessional songs and Alkaline Trio and like that kind of era. Oh, so we we played a couple shows, like a couple coffee house coffee shop type things, open mics. There's a university in my hometown, the University of South Dakota, um, and they would host events sometimes that that had live music. So I remember playing a couple of those with him. I guess that would have yeah been in like seventh or eighth grade and then my first like big big show my first like actual live show with a full band was at my eighth grade dance in middle school I had a band a full like drums and everything and we played the middle school dance oh wow and you were hooked since then what's that and you were hooked since then right and I was honestly yes because I I remember being on stage just feeling like like looking out at my friends, you know, it was literally just playing for the middle school um, kids or whatever. Like, so I'm just looking out, seeing my friends and like, they're like having a good time and loved like just the feeling of being up there. And I, those were actually all songs that I wrote too. They oh, were wow. like a handful of songs. Like I was like the lead singer front man of this, of the band. Um, and so just that feeling of like singing, singing songs I wrote in front of people and then the reaction from people and like, going out and you know after like after we were done playing it was just the dance like the middle school dance so like I got to go out and like be the cool guy like dude like everyone's like giving me high fives and stuff and I just 
felt really cool. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is a lot of fun. And um, yeah. that was kind of the first, I guess, real show I, I played. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. I hadn't thought about that in a while. That's, it's crazy. <laughs> now did that band merge into paradise fears? No. So that the band that I played with then was kind of a different, it was kind of my friend Tom played in it, but it was just kind of a, a mix of random people who kind of played. I didn't necessarily have like a set band at that time. And then actually before I was in paradise fears, like my freshman year of high school, um, I joined a band, this other band that was called bin. It was B I H N. And they were all older than I was. They were a couple guys who were like two years older and one guy was a year older than me. And they had been a band for a few years already. They were like kind of the most well-known band in our hometown. Um, and then when I got into high school, I kind of became friends with them and they eventually asked me to join that band. So that was actually the band that I was in all of high school from my freshman year until like late junior year. And then, um, and we never, we, I, I thought we were great. I thought like our lead singer, Ben was like, is, was and is like an incredibly talented songwriter. And we just, we found kind of a cool sound and they let me do my thing as a guitar player. I definitely like, that's where I think I found kind of my style was like playing in that band. And also I played in a church band as well all throughout totally. high school. So between those two, that was like when I was really starting to learn how to play and, and kind of find my sound and everything. Um, and then, yeah, I think that band, we kind of were done after like my junior year. And then that's when the guys from paradise fears, cause they're a couple years younger than I am. So my junior year, they would have been freshmen. And okay. that's when I kind of met them and they, we initially just did like, you know, acoustic, co we were covering, you know, like taking back Sunday songs. And we were, they were like some of the only kids in school that listened to like pop punk music. So that's, we kind of just like found each other. Um, and our, our high school did this thing once a quarter called coffee house, where it was like an open mic every thir Thursday mornings, we didn't start class until 10 AM. So it would be at like eight 30, we would set up in the library and anyone could sign up and come play songs. Oh, that's dope. Which it was, yeah, it was for a small little town in South Dakota. It was like, actually, it was a pretty cool thing that we got to do. Like the teachers were loved it and it, it ended up becoming a pretty popular thing. And those were the first, those coffee house shows were the first time I ever played with like what would become the guys in Paradise Fears. Like the band hadn't formed yet. Um, and then so over the years throughout, you know, through those couple of years in high school, um, we were just kind of playing that kind of stuff together. And then actually when I graduated, is when our drummer Lucas came into high school and that was kind of when Paradise Fears formed. There was, there were some other iterations of the band. There's actually, there was an EP somewhere that I recorded bass on cause they needed someone to play bass. Really? At one, at one point I was playing drums. Like one summer I played drums for Paradise. Like this was way before like we really started doing anything but there was all these early iterations of the band. And then eventually Lucas, when Lucas started playing drums that's kind of when I switched to guitar and we kind of had our like the lineup that we ended up having for a while yeah, it's crazy the uh the industry talent that was in that band with you and then jordan schmidt who went on to is a huge songwriter in nashville and then also joey russ one of the biggest managers in town as well all of you guys in that huge band that's crazy that you all came up together yeah yeah and so jordan schmidt was our producer he he was never like in the band oh, okay um, but he was um because he's from minnesota i think he's I think he's from Duluth originally, but 
but he lived in Minneapolis for, for a lot of years. Um, and was like the pop punk producer in the Midwest. Like he was someone who we knew cause he had worked with like, uh, sing it loud and motion city soundtrack and all time low. Oh, wow. And we were like, we got to work with this guy. So he recorded our first ever EP, which would have been like 2009, I think 2008 to, or no, yeah. 2009, 2010. Um, we like saved up money at one point we were all like working jobs. Like I worked at a bakery. The other guys were like a couple of other guys worked at that same grocery store and like all the money are, we would take our paychecks and hand them over to the band. And we were like saving up to go record with Jordan. And he was actually a big part of, so we were uh, of kind of how we ended up pursuing it full time. Like we did. Cause we finished that first EP and, and we were kind of talking about it when it's done. He was like, what do you guys want to do with your band? Or, you know, what's the plan? And at that point, like I was in college, the other guys had just graduated high school. They were going to go to college. They had gotten into colleges and Jordan was the, was like, well, do you want to do it or not? Like, do you want to actually try this? Cause he was like, you have some cool songs. Like you have something here, but yeah. if you want to go for it, like you kind of have to go for it. Um, and I think just growing up in a small town in, in the Midwest, like we hadn't really, I don't even think that was an option we had considered like going out and doing music. Like it just wasn't something, you know, we were seeing people around us do like if, if we wanted to go to shows growing up, it's like, we usually had to drive to like Omaha or Minneapolis, you know, two, oh, four, wow. five hours away. Yeah. So he was the one, him kind of being like, well, if you want to go for it, go for it. It kind of got us thinking like, okay, like we're young, you know, college will always be there. And, we kind of gave ourselves like a year to, to, to try it. So like I dropped out of college, those guys like deferred their admission and we're like, let's just go all in for a year. And like, if it's going well enough, we'll keep going. If it's not, we, you know, can just go to college and do that whole thing. And um, that was 12 years ago. And here we are, I guess. Yeah. Totally. But it is cool. Like, and yes. And then Jordan obviously moved. Yeah. Like you said, moved to Nashville um, and became, is now like a super successful songwriter and, um, and yeah, Joey Russ. Uh, so if, after a few years, our, our original drummer left the band to go to college and that's when Joey kind of stepped in to fill in. Um, so he was kind of, he was in, he was like kind of a fill in member for a couple of years. Oh, cool. Um, and then him and I moved to Nashville together, actually, Joey and I, and one other member of Paradise Fears. Um, we're the ones who moved to Nashville together. And then that kind of started the whole next, the whole next chapter. So what was your plan moving to Nashville? Was it that you wanted to, uh, go into guitar? Was it that you wanted to do tour managing? I, you, it seems like you can do everything and anything in the music business. I can at least make it look like I can do it. <laughs> I can fool people. Um, um, well, actually, so when we moved to Nashville, Paradise Fears was still active. Like that was still my full-time thing. Um, we actually moved to Nashville because we were with a small label at, oh, cool. in Nashville at the time. Um, cause over the years we had always just been based out of South Dakota. You know, we were on the road most of the year anyways. So when we were off, we would just go home and live with our parents and, and hang out and stuff. And then we ended up signing with a label in Nashville. And so we were coming down here a lot more and, and Jordan Schmidt had moved down here. So we were like coming down to write with him and work with him. And after a while, it was just like made sense for like for some uh, more of us were going to move down here, but plans kind of changed and only it was three of us that did. But for the first year I lived here. So like tw basically all of 2015, 
Um, we were touring, we put a full length album out. We were releasing, you know, doing music videos. So like the first year I was here, it was all Paradise Fears. That was still kind of the full thing. And then the last kind of full tour we did was the fall of 2015. And then at, right after that, um, some guys kind of wanted just, you know, weren't, were kind of burnt out on touring and, and had just, just maybe wanted to pursue other things. We never really like broke up officially. Like we're still all really good friends. Our drummer Lucas actually just got married a couple of weeks ago and we were all there. Like oh, a few of us played during the wedding. Like we're also like really, really good friends. And over the last few years, obviously not through COVID and everything, but we were doing kind of some reunion shows every year. Yeah. So we're still all super close friends, never really broke up. We hope to release some, actually release some new music at some point this year. But that was the first year I was in Nashville. Yeah. So is, uh, was the first gig you picked up in Nashville? Was that when you started playing for Dylan Schneider? Yeah. Yeah. So after, after Paradise Fears kind of was done, I definitely, I had some time of like, what do I want to do with my life? You know, I had been like touring kind of nonstop for six or seven years and just didn't know anything else. But it, once we stopped, it was kind of a chance to like reassess, like, what I wanted to do and really didn't know for a while. I even considered moving somewhere else. Like I just didn't, I was excited. It was exciting living in a new place in Nashville. I was like, Oh, well, maybe I'll move to Denver or like try another city. Cause <laughs> I had just always lived in South Dakota and I loved living somewhere else. And eventually, uh, but then meanwhile, Joey kind of, he had always had the Joey Russ had always had the, the management like business mind for things. And eventually he starts talking about this kid, Dylan Schneider, that he found him and another guy kind of found on, on YouTube, I think. And I think Dylan was like 15 at the time and they found him. They, you know, they started talking with him. They eventually brought him down to Nashville. He was doing all these rights with these big writers and like meeting all these industry people and like doing really well, you know, holding his own as a young kid. And I was, I, at early on, I, you know, I didn't have anything to do with it. It was just Joey, we lived together. So he was telling me all about it as it was kind of developing. Wow. And eventually, eventually I met him. I actually, so I'm a photographer as well. Yeah. And so I think the first time I actually worked with Dylan was taking photos for him, <laughs> just like a really simple little like uh, photo shoot for social media or whatever. And, but then eventually I think it was like the fall of 2016 he was finally like he had recorded an EP and, and was ready to start playing shows. And so Joey, Joey asked me if I would be interested in, in playing with him. And honestly, the timing couldn't have been better because I, I was certainly was like just questioning what I wanted to do. And um, that was such a great opportunity at the time, like knowing Joey so well and like having heard all these great things about Dylan. And it, it, it was just something, uh, I guess it kind of fell into my lap a little bit, you know, just by who, by who I knew, but that was, yeah, the first gig I, the first gig outside of Paradise Fears I had ever, ever had really as a musician. And luckily things started off fast. You know, I, I think our first show we played was in Indianapolis and there was like, like 350 people there. Wow. And I remember the band being like, who is this kid? <laughs> like, you know, for a first show, you don't expect much necessarily. Like, right. You, you know, it's a build and he had just done really well um, building his social media presence and, and connecting with his fans. And so, yeah, it started off really quick and um, that was kind of 
how, yeah, kind of how that started, I guess. So what made you want to go into uh, tour management when you uh, started tour managing Mason Ramsey in 2019? How did that come about and how did you even meet Mason? That's such a cool uh, artist to manage, I feel like. Yeah, that was that was so fun. So I didn't want to get into tour managing originally. <laughs> Dylan, I actually started with Dylan. Dylan, I was still playing guitar and we got to a point where, because Joey would just come on the road with us early on and, and kind of act as a tour manager. Mm-hmm. And eventually he just, did, he was getting busier with with man, more management stuff and wanted to not be on the road as much. So he kind of came to me and, and was like, you know, you've because the size of show, the sizes of shows Dylan was doing at the time were very similar to like the sizes of shows Paradise Fears did. It was yeah. kind of just like that mid club level size venue that I was very familiar with. So Joey kind of came to me like, hey, man, you know this. You've been touring a while. You know this this size of venue. Like, would you want to try tour managing? And I remember being very resistant to it initially. It just sounded like, cause I, I, I really enjoyed being kind of a hired gun, you know, not like actually a member of the band where you, there's all this other stuff you just don't have to worry about. And I was right. kind of like enjoying that just kind of like, yeah, just show up and play. And obviously I was very invested in like, I felt, I believed in Dylan still do to this day. Like, so I wasn't just like, no man, I just am going to show up and play. I don't care about anything else, but like, I was just enjoying this new role of like less pressure, I guess. And so when he asked me, I was like, all right, I'll try it out for like a month and we'll just see, we'll see how it goes. Like I was not, I was not thrilled about the idea initially. Um, But yeah, then did, did a handful of shows. And I think I've always had that part of my brain, the more like, I forget which one is which like left brain, right brain, which is the creative side, which is the, logic side i i think i realized through that experience i have both sides of my brain are very active and like i get uh, the enjoyment i get out of playing is very very profound and very like um impactful but like i also love sitting down and like scheduling things and like booking hotel rooms and (laughs) (laughs) working out a schedule and being like oh okay we have this like, like logistical challenges of like, we have, you know, we got to get this gear from here to here, but we also have to fly someone in. And like that stuff also really excites me for whatever reason, which I think I kind of learned through that, through, through uh, the early, those early times of of tour managing for Dylan. Um, So yeah, for, for a few years, I think that was like 2017 when I started tour manager, no, maybe 2018, like late 2017, early 2018 is when I would have started tour managing for Dylan. And so that was, that was kind of my only, only gig for a while. And then uh, the Mason thing was the funniest, the most random thing. It was early. It was like early 2019 and Joey again, Joey (laughs) shout out to Joey for, for all these opportunities. He, uh, I remember I was just sitting in my room. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. And Joey texts me out of nowhere. It's like, Hey, Mason Ramsey's looking for a tour manager. I just gave his manager your, he was friends with, with Mason's manager at the time. And he's like, he's like, Hey, this guy, um, this guy, Danny reached out to me. They need a tour manager. Would you be interested? I said, yes. At the time it was like, he was the yodel kid, you know, like everyone knew he was the meme that everyone knew as the yodel kid. And 
I was like, I get, yeah, sure. Like whatever. It, you know, I had never actually done like just a tour managing gig before that. I had just kind of been out with Dylan and like 20 minutes later, the phone rang and it was Mason's manager. And we talked for like 20 minutes. And by the end of it, in my head, I'm like, this is kind of like an interview, you know, or like, I'm sure he's just like seeing what his options are. And at the end of the call, he was like, yeah, man. So like, we'd love to hire you and bring you on. Like, wow. I think, they had, I think the tour was starting like in the next six weeks or two months or something. So it was kind of getting to the point where they needed to hire someone, but I think he just really, I think Joey, you know, was nice and, and spoke highly of me. And so, yeah, it was like one second I'm sitting on my bed, just doing nothing. And an hour later, I'm like tour managing for Mason Ramsey, like out of nowhere. Do you remember and, your first time you met Mason? Is he, I, I mean, I'm sure he's just like he is like on camera, like always on. Yeah. I remember I met him at rehearsals in Nashville at, I think it was at SIR and he was definitely like, cause he had had a tour manager before that for like mm -hmm. basically from the beginning, right after the, the video went viral, like they brought someone in and, and he was out with him for probably like a year or so. And then he moved on to a different gig. And then that's when I came in. So when I first met Mason, he was kind of like, who are you? Like, <laughs> you know, he was very, he wasn't like mean or anything. He was uh, but he was kind of like, you know, he had had this other guy mm -hmm. for so long. And he, I think he even made a comment. He's like, are you the new so-and-so? Like, <laughs> you just didn't know. I just walked in and it's like, Hey Mason, you're, this is your tour manager now. And he was just like, kind of skeptical, like, like rightfully so, you know, yeah. as, as such a young kid, especially like, um, so that, but I, yeah, I mean, he was, I remember him being great early on. And then, um, we just obviously got to know each other more and more you know spending time on the road and he's an incredible kid man that was such a random gig but like I have so much pride that I got to do it like and it was such a cool little time because he had been on the road for a year or so like he had kind of you know that that life was just like so foreign to him and his family you know he's, he's from such a small town and one day he's singing in Walmart and a month later he's singing at Coachella. Like yeah. it happened that fast. And I think by the time I stepped in, they had sort of gotten a handle of, of things like knew what, knew what that world was kind of like. And um, his family was so, so great to me and to everyone. They were really good about kind of letting, you know, they knew we had experience and they knew that they were kind of newer to things. So they were really good about, letting us like step in when we needed to, but also being there for Mason, you know, and making sure he was, he was taken care of and, and in a healthy environment and everything. And that, yeah, that was such a fun year. That was, I, I was still with Dylan, you know, I kind of bounced back and forth between, uh, between Mason and Dylan for, for kind of all of 2019. And it was so, yeah, so much fun. And I'm glad to see he's kind of back now. He's kind of like, I know. I think that the, this is the, like the most people are really like seeing him as a, like a genuine artist, you know, with this, with this uh, new music. I mean, famous was an incredible song, but even this, this new music is like on a whole nother level for him. And it's showing people that he's sticking around for way longer than any uh, viral video could have taken him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that definitely became apparent to me very fast, but like, I think anyone who saw him perform that year, cause we did, we, in the fall of 2019, we did like a 35 show full U S headlining tour. Wow. And like, it was, 
it was a grind, you know, it was, it was great, but like, it was, it was a lot, but like watching him perform night in night out, like, like anyone, you know, he'd have nights where he like, wasn't feeling it and like, was not in the best mood or whatever, but like, he would still go up and put on a great show. And it was so much more than just like, Oh, it's a cute kid up there who can like yodel and whatever. Like it, it became very apparent to me, like, no, this kid isn't, is incredibly talented is a performer, like just has that gene in him. And at the same time, he's up there emulating like Johnny Cash and Hank Willing, you know, yeah. his influence was truly that style of, of, of music. And like, those were the people he looked up to. And he, I, one of my favorite memories of him was in, I think we were in Michigan and it was Halloween. And so he had this like Elvis costume you know, all white with like fringe and have full these like the, the full thing with a big collar and the glasses and everything. So it's like, Oh, like everyone kind of dressed up a little bit. It's like, Oh, Mason, wear your Elvis costume. And he gets on stage and he, in the first song, like comes out and does like an Elvis impression, you know, it's like, thanks everyone for coming and like <laughs> pretending like he's Elvis, which was funny. Oh, it's, you know, everyone kind of like would guess he, he would do that. He proceeded to do the entire show in as Elvis. Like no way. When he taught, I mean, he would he sang the songs like his regular voice, but like in between every song, he would pretend he was Elvis. And he was even like, you know, I was talking to Mason backstage and he was telling me that this next song is about this. And like that's so he clever. Was in, he was in character the whole time, and like no one told him to do that. And no one like he didn't tell anyone he was going to do that. Like <laughs> we just thought he was going to wear this costume and it would be funny and look cool in pictures. But like he did the entire thing just like, cause he had that instinct. He like knew people would, would enjoy it and have fun. And um, there was just so many instances like that where I was like, this kid has something really special. His voice is very, very good. I'm excited to see, you know, obviously it's changed a lot as he's grown up, but I really think he's, he's going to do something very special if, if he wants to, you know, he's so young, like he has his whole life in front of him. And if he wants to pursue music, I hope he does because he, from what I've, what, what I've been fortunate enough to like witness with him, like it's something really special. And I would just love to see his influences. I would love, you know, when he gets a little older and, and has a little more life experience to draw from when he's writing songs I would, I just would be so curious to see like how he's using his, his upbringing and his influences from, from these, from classic country, bringing that into like a modern pop, like country world would be so cool to me. So I'd, I, yeah, I was really excited to see him kind of getting back into things. And it looks like I don't have a ton of communication with him anymore. He's the last I knew he didn't have his own cell phone. So it's hard to, it's hard to get in touch with him, but I'm, I'm happy that he is out there um, doing it again. It looks like, you know, he, I'm glad he had some time off. I'm glad he had some time to be a kid. Everyone deserves that, you know, yeah. but it seems like he's coming back around and really wants to go for it. So I'm anxious. I'm really anxious to see what this, uh, what this year brings for him. Cause I'll always be in his corner. I'll always be rooting for him. Heck yeah. And I mean, uh, fast forward to now you're on tour with Ernest. Uh, how's that been going for you guys? And what's it like playing with, uh, one of country's mega players right now. Yeah, man, it's incredible. It's been such a whirlwind, honestly, because 
I started with him back in, I think, July of last year mm-hmm. and was originally hired as a tour manager. And it was kind of just like he so he had opened Ernest opened for Mason back in 2019. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how we met. And 20, uh, 2021 last summer, his manager reached out to me and was like, hey, we have a handful of shows booked in July. Would you want to help us out? In my head, it was very much just like they just need some, you know, they have a few shows this month. I didn't know what it would lead to. I didn't know if it would lead to anything. I was just like, yeah, I, I, my schedule's open. I would love to. I remember Ernest being really cool. Like, yeah, that sounds fun. And, but yeah, it was just as a tour manager. And it was just him and his drummer, Grady, on stage. They wanted everything to be super stripped down, super simple. So I stepped in and, and we did like two or three weeks of shows uh we were doing kind of mostly festivals and like some couple like small headlining shows and then i think like two or three weeks in uh it was kind of funny like his drummer brought it up earlier in the day like would you maybe want to play guitar like you're kind of just standing there during the show like they knew i played and played for dylan and stuff and i was like yeah man like i would love to like why not and like i'm here anyway (laughs) i'm here anyways yeah so he brought it up to me and then like that night after the show we were driving to the hotel and Ernest was like, man, you know, I'm feeling good about this show and everything. It's fun. But he's like, I would really love to have one more person up there, like one more guitarist. Yeah. And like Grady and I kind of looked at each other like, well, we had actually talked about that. Like, what do you think? He's like, no, he's like, I would love that. Like, I didn't want to, he didn't want to put too much on my plate. You know, I was kind of tour managing and and running the production stuff and all that. He's like, no, I I would love that. Like, as long as you think it's not too much, whatever. Um, And so I just, we tried out a couple, like the next two weekends I I played and it went well enough. And he's like, yeah, man, like if you want to just keep playing, like let's, let's do it. And so it was, that's dope. And, you know, cut to now we're, we're about, you know, last fall we were opening for, for Morgan Wallen and Hardy and arenas and, We've been on yeah. tour with Chris Lane playing like sold out clubs this whole first couple months of this year. And it all happened so fast. You know, it was crazy. My career with Paradise Fears and, and, and working with Dylan, those were long, slow builds. And Ernest has been at it for a long time. You know, this didn't happen overnight. He's been working and writing for a long, long time to get to the point he's at now. Yeah. Um, but it was just the timing of, of when I happened to join and, um, and obviously flower shops doing as well as it's done. That's kind of really pushed things forward. I, Cause I think he had written flower shops like a month before I started with him or like oh, no. right around the time when I started with him, I remember hearing him play. I don't even know if there was a demo or like he, he used to play it live just by himself acoustic. Mm-hmm. And it was just always like, okay, this song is something really there's something here like this right. is this is a special song and thought that for a very long time but it was so cool to get to see it evolve from like a song he would play acoustic to obviously how the, rec- the recording turned out so so well like it has such an amazing that classic Paul franklin steel on there is beautiful dude my goodness it's it's so cool yeah and it's been so fun to play live and watch people react to it but man yeah it's it it's one of those things like i almost I'm still processing it. You know, it's all happened so fast where I'm like, and we talk about it all the time on the road. We're like, man, remember we, we played like the tin roof in Myrtle beach 
in, I think was one of the first weekends I did as a tour manager was mm-hmm. the tin roof in Myrtle beach. And they were actually, it was actually a really fun show at like hundred, 150 people came out and they were all like diehard earnest fans. Totally. It ended up being like a super fun show, but that we're like, that feels like five years ago. Like it wasn't even, it hasn't even been a year and look where we're at now, you know? So it's, we have a lot of those types of conversations where we're all like, and it's ultimately it's gratitude. You know, we're like, it's what we're getting to do is incredible. And um, it's just crazy how fast it's all happened, but we're, we're ready. We're, we're all loving it and excited for it to continue. You know, his album comes out on the 11th, which is a couple of days from now, you know, I don't know when this will come out, but I'm sure it'll, his album will have maybe been out already. And yeah, it will be. And I know yeah. fans are really excited for it. Um, just to wrap things up for you, I always like to uh, ask the, the, um, my guests at the end what their advice to their younger self would be or someone just that wants to do what you're doing, uh, whether that be tour managing or playing for an artist. Uh, what, what's your advice to them? Absolutely, man. This, I, it, I thought you might answer, ask this question, <laughs> but I've, I've been fortunate enough to, re, to get a lot of really good advice over the years and I think the simplest way to put it, there's a lot of things I think in the music industry and in, in a lot of industries, but like, if this is the industry you're focusing on, I think it can be very, it can be overwhelming or discourage, you know, it's, it's obviously very competitive. Like if say you're a guitar player moving to Nashville, you know, I know I felt that way. Like, Oh, there's a hundred guys playing right now that are way better than I'll ever be. Like, the talent here is incredible. So that can be discouraging. And Nashville it, overall is a very like uplifting place. It's not like cutthroat. Like pe- there is all that talent out there, but like people want to help out, which yeah. is great. But I think, I think the main thing, obviously do whatever you can to get good at your craft, whether you're a guitar player or want to be a tour manager or want to be a photographer, like whatever your thing is. And it, I guess I'm, proof you don't have to pick just one you can if there's a lot of things you enjoy doing you can pursue all of them but the biggest thing I think is just like how you treat people and being a good person and like because so much of like touring especially you know we play for 45 minutes a day a night most of the time is spent hanging out you know in the green room on the bus like it's a lot of just like close quarters time where you're just hanging out and doing whatever, you know? And so the way you treat people, if you treat people well and respectfully, that's, I think the thing, and obviously you have, if you can back that up with your, with what like your talent or your craft, whatever that is, that's great. But there's also plenty of very talented people who would maybe not get asked, you know, wouldn't maybe not get something if they're not like respectful or nice or fun to be around, whatever it is. So I think the biggest thing is just remember, like always treat people well, because you just, you never know what that could lead to. Like in 2019, when I met Ernest and, you know, we spent a decent amount of time together. We were on the road for a month or so. Um, but I, you know, I never could have forecasted like, oh yeah, three years later, you're going to be playing guitar for him, playing these like awesome shows. I never right. could have anticipated that at the time, but because I was, because we had a good relationship and him, his manager and I, especially because we had a, a good relationship, then he thought to 
you know, there's a hundred people he could have called before me, but we had had a, a, some sort of relationship that was, that was good. And he thought to call me. So I think, yeah, just focusing on the thing, the things that you can control, you can't control anyone else. You can't control how talented anyone else is, but you can control how you treat people and how you interact with people. And that's the thing I think that can get you, get you a long ways. I always hear, I've never met him, but I always hear Garth Brooks is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like he's very personable. And like, if you shake his hand and tell him you have a sister and six months later, he'll remember you have a, he'll ask how your sister's doing kind of thing. Like, wow, that's, that's so, special. Yeah. So, and he's who, you know, he's Garth Brooks. Like, right. So I think it's just so much about how you treat people. Um, that, that can be the thing that will, will, uh, you know, inspire people to want to hire you or reach out to you again. So, yeah. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Jordan Merrigan. Jordan, thank you again so much for joining the podcast. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone, go stream his music for The Light in the Dark out on all streaming platforms right now. And follow Jordan on Instagram at underscore J Merrigan. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Matthew Davidson, guitarist for Travis Denning. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. Follow Starting Small Music on Instagram and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.